From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight we're talking about the 2004 sci-fi comedy Gora, uh, directed by... Now this is... We don't get names right anyway, <laughs> but these are all Turkish names and I'm going to do my best and I'm probably very poorly do it. Uh, we've got Omar Farouk Sarri as the Rack, sorry, Sarak as the director. And we had this sort of confused me as well when I looked at this, but we had Can Yilmaz and then Cern. Cern? It's Chem. Chem. Chem Yilmaz. Chem Yilmaz. Uh, on uh, Wikipedia he's got a uh, oh, he's got a pronunciation. pronunciation. There you guy. go. There you go. So check out the Wikipedia. So consider this your spoiler warning. warning. Yes. Turn back now if you haven't seen this film. And if you haven't seen this film, you probably have some sanity left. <laughs> no, no, no. You should really... But then really... tune back in yeah. and have a listen to what we've got to say because it is it is certainly not your typical movie. No, definitely not. And I, I think the whole preface we probably have to say is it is a science fiction comedy. Like, definitely. It is not, it's not a science fiction with comedic elements. No. It is a comedy... Set in a science fiction environment. Yeah, that's a good. That's probably the better way. Yeah, that's probably a much better way to put it. Sorry. So, what's your number one takeaway from this science fiction comedy, Gora? Sorry. Uh, Okay. Commodore sixty (laughs) four is an amazing piece of. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That is a really good plot point in the film. I reckon. Uh, Well, I reckon I had a Commodore sixty four back in the day, and I recognised that the tape drive that he was putting his. Matrix style knowledge <laughs> tapes into the mixtape, the mix like, yeah. including the, the best hits of uh, oh, I can't remember what the, the band name was now. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I recognize it as an 80s band, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yes, yeah, so so Commodore 64 is an amazing piece of equipment, and I think uh, the main character, uh, Reef, uh, says at the end, humans are human even when they're alien, yeah, which is. Very poetic. Very, very. Um, what do you call it? Timely commentary now. Yeah, yeah. In the current climate of society and politics. Okay. That's it. There's <laughs> just. Uh, it's. I'm finding this is one of those movies where when I was watching it, yeah, it was kind of funny. But now I'm thinking back at some of the scenes and things, yeah. and it's it's kind of it's quite funny. It is funny. It was it was funny. It was laugh out loud funny. This movie, I reckon. Uh, it did. It reminded me a bit like you know, like the Naked Gun series. You know what Naked I mean? Like, Gun, there's a bit yeah. of slapstick comedy in this film. Like, it's not just comedy. It's that. It's that really silly, stupid comedy. But what we like to talk about, of course, science fiction. It was all targeted at science fiction. The, which, whole, the whole thing was yeah, was Star Wars, Matrix. Yeah, the fifth, fifth element, element. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then what I joked about in my notes was Mission Impossible's in there, which is not science fiction, yeah. but it is in there. It sort of is. 
you, you wouldn't fiction, you wouldn't maybe. typically call it science oh, fiction, but uh, you know it's it's certainly anyway. We'll <laughs> we'll have that fight another day. Yes, we will. Yeah, so that that was yeah, I've, I've got to take away a few of those things there. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of Adam Sandler as well. In yeah. many ways, that's yeah. kind of the humour where you're not sure if it's you know it's not politically correct, but you're not sure if it's actually offensive or not because it's being handled in a charming sort of a way. You know, mm, yeah. As a, I, I found a, a couple of the jokes there. I was like, I was going, oh, should I, should I be laughing at that? It's, yeah. As a, in, in a genuine question as to whether it should be something to laugh at or not, as opposed to one of those ones where you go, oh, I know I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. So it's it quite good that one. It was still pretty. It was pretty innocent comedy, I think, overall. Like, yeah. It was, it, it, there was a couple of sort of little dings, the, but the I don't character, think there's any. That's, that's what I mean. Is in in all of the Adam Sandler movies, his character is kind of this a bit bit rough around the edges, but overall sort of uh, well meaning and and charming in his way. And that's sort of Adam Sandler's character. Yeah, all of them are like Sandler, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I felt there's there's a similarity here. This guy Arifi was a bit stra- a bit rough. You know, yeah, he was a used carpet salesman, a bit of a con artist of a low grade level. Yeah, yeah. Trying to sell you know fake alien photographs and um, convincing people to spend more money on carpets perhaps than they yeah. should but uh, and, and a few of the things he was kind of you go oh that's a bit rough but overall he he was kind-hearted yeah. egalitarian in yeah. view and um, and that that character trait sort of paid dividends then you know in comedy gold of being on the alien ship and sort of going, hey, look, I need to get off and <laughs> I'm going to use my mobile phone. And yeah. so it kind of, it, it's still, because he was that type of character, he was a talker, an innocent talker in a way. Like, yeah, con artist on a very minor level. I, di- I didn't really think he's a bad guy at all at the start. No, as like, I said, he was just trying to convince people just, that the photographs of alien yeah. UFOs that were actually just various uh, dishes that he's... <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he could yeah. still read the, the, the name brand on them. He could, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but okay. Well, well, let's let's end. I hope warning or experiment on this one. Uh, definitely, I reckon a hope, and uh, it's pretty much because of that message you said before. Like you know, there's a big poetic speech at the end of this film. During it, he kind of a riff. Uh, you know, he comes back to that idea of like you know we need to stick together. We need to go through with this, and then at the end, it's it's like you know you need to be. Uh, human to kind of understand that there's flaws in the universe. So I, I see it as a hope. And it's also that I suppose if you take the plot and we'll go through it in a minute, but like that idea in the plot of he sort of saves the day as, as a human, even though he doesn't have to, you know what I mean? Like he sort of, he does that. Yeah. He's doing it because he wants to get back home to planet earth, but there's no guarantee of that. He just sort of does the right thing. Yeah. It's, I think, it's the correct thing to do. And yeah. he, he even deals nicely with the, the bad guy who yeah. took him prisoner yes. and was, well, I guess tried to kill him and so yeah. forth, didn't end up destroying, throwing him off a building to impale him That's on something right. dreadful, yeah. but rather I think he just got taken prisoner or yeah, something. Yeah, captured arrested, at the end. Yeah, it was just yeah. arrested at the end and, and that's that's where he, he sort of ends up sort of saying, you know, you've got to understand that, that things happen and we can all be friends. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> So we have Gora to, uh, to uh, we have Gora two thousand and four. Um, it's obviously a Turkish production, and it's uh, you know uh, these writers and directors are put together. And Arif is the screenwriter as well. The guy um, that plays Arif. The guy that plays it as Jem. Yes, Jem is a stand-up comedian. Yep. Uh, and a writer, and he's, he's 
he's a bit um, well recognized. Yeah, he's got various awards for roles in other movies. Yeah. A filmmaker, yeah. screenwriter, cartoonist, musician. Yeah, right. So he does a bit of everything. And yeah, he's just a talented fellow. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll get into that in a few minutes. Is there anything science fiction e going on in your life? Uh, sorry? I just finished watching the three episodes of Black Mirror that are out. Okay. I'm hoping there's going to be more in this season. There's usually a six. Mm. So, like, three of them so far. Yep. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't checked them out yet. And, yeah, the, the first episode I found particularly amusing and, and has a very, a very interesting look at, um, what do you call it, um, artificial reality, virtual reality and relationships. Like and, it, like it. And it's quite, it's, it's a good take on that. I'm not going to say anything more about it because, mm. you yeah, know, Black Mirror is one of these shows you kind yeah. of can't be revealing the things, but it's quite good. Yeah, I look forward to checking that out, actually. And the, the last episode also is, is very good. The middle one middle one's quite, is, is a good show, a good yeah. episode, but it's, it, I don't think it explores enough deeply. Uh, but the, the last one, I haven't quite finished that episode. It's quite a long episode, a bit longer than my train ride. So <laughs> I'll be watching it tomorrow afternoon. And that one's about artificial intelligence mm. and the sort of cult of celebrity and things. Yeah, it's yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Great uh, ideas on Black Mirror. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested in having a go at writing myself a, a science fiction novel, getting some some ideas, including exciting, particularly around black hole generators, because yeah, right. So the the concept of having a, a black hole generator is very exciting, and there's mm. various people have put forward ways that you could do that. Yep. In in current understanding, they're a bit far fetched, but they can be done with our existing technology. Just the amount of wealth required would be phenomenal. Mm. But that just means that in 20, 30 years' time, it'll, only, it'll not be phenomenal, it'll just be fantastic. And another 30 years after that, it'll just be kind of commonplace. Yeah, yeah. And we'll all have black hole generators. Well, if money is an issue, I did see a news article the other day that there is an asteroid out in space, not very far from Earth. And in the article, uh, whatever the scientists that they were quoting, he was saying that basically there's enough um, natural resources on this asteroid to make every single human a billionaire. Yeah, I'm not right? sure so economics like works that way, but yeah. No, he said it would destroy the world economy if they managed to kind of like bring this back to mm-hmm. the planet because, uh, or they were, they, they, someone was successful in mining this asteroid because it's got more gold and and steel and blah, blah, blah than we have on Earth, basically. And it's, it's just one an of asteroid. the promises so, of space exploration. So I'm just saying that could play for, that could pay, sorry, for your uh, yeah. black hole generators. Well, I was reading actually just recently on the moon, they discovered a big deposit of iron, which they reckon was probably a, an old asteroid mm. uh, that hit during the cooling phase of the moon. So it didn't sink oh. all the way to its core. Yep. So it's actually at the top yep. of the pole, the North Pole. And it's many billions of tons of iron, yeah, basically, as you're sitting there. Yeah, it was, came just after we watched 2001: Space Odyssey, where they uncovered an That's artifact right, yeah. on the moon. And this thing, <laughs> this thing's I think four kilometers in, right, so it's deep deeper. in the crust. Yeah, yeah, not 40 meters, I think. Yeah. So, but invariably, people made the comparison that mm. that 2001: Space Odyssey started mm. off with discovering an artifact at the North Pole in this very crater on the moon. Yeah, right. So that's there you go. that's quite interesting. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all out there if you can get, get the mine. I'm sure BHP and those sort of companies would look at this. They would. I think they these days they would start to think about it, don't you reckon? If it's, if it's billions. Definitely knowing who owns it. Well, but that's the thing. I don't think anyone does, do they? So if it's just sort of first in, best dressed. Does no one own it or does everyone own it? I mean, it's... 
That's the ethical the question. The moon there and the ocean, just because you got there with the mining equipment doesn't mean you get to extract that. I mean, this very question is asked of current terrestrial mining. Yeah. Here in Australia, a mining company stakes out a bit of land, digs up the earth and sells it off somewhere. Yeah. Why exactly do they get so much of the profit? That's right. When it's actually Australia's dirt they're selling. Yeah. I can't just go start selling dirt in my backyard for billions of dollars. You know, the, well, you could have found I, but I could if you have staked out a mining line. But yeah. Anyway, let's move on. And, and yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm really close to finishing the, the feature script. So I think that will be done over this next kind of five to ten days. So maybe by the next episode. Uh, it's not science fiction, but I'm going to do that. I've got my little local connection uh, and I'm also going to enter that into the final draft competition and also the independent film Australian competition, IF, I think it's called. Uh, so there's that. And then I've also, I mentioned it last time, the little sci-fi web series. I'm just going to develop that a bit more. I've had a couple other episodes sort of ideas. And again, they would just be really short. They're kind of like all little short films, you know, maybe three to five to six minutes kind of thing. That's the way I see that idea panning out. So, yeah, just just developing that. So, yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah, but it's going to be so good to just have that script done. Yeah. <laughs> My second feature totally locked in the barrel, you know. Well, you, well, you get that situation where at the start, it's always very exciting. Yeah. In the middle, you're kind of... You're laboring. Yeah, you're really getting there. You're going, this is just fantastic. The, the last third or quarter years ago, when does this finish? I know. And I, and I'm I've just going to get to the end. When does that Yeah. Happen? Well, I've done that and I'm, I'm going over it like that real, I've done that real sort of solid rinse through and then now I'm doing the the kind of grammar and formatting check and it just, it, it you feel like you just keep tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. But, you know, I'm up to page, I think, 85 out of 94. So it's like, oh, I'm so close. <laughs> have, you done, have you done a live read through? You've actually, no. yourself at least... Uh, I, well, I sort of do that as yeah, I go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't done like the start to finish, like that, if that's what you're asking. Because I, well, I just did a, a read through of a, a scene from my book one mm. so that, you know, like audio book style. Yeah. So people get a, a feel for how it's different from yep. the, the audio play. And I found as I was reading it out loud, I was sort of just tweaking a few extra words here and there yeah, that yeah. not not major things, but you know, shifting three words off the end, put it at the start with a comma instead, mm. and you know, just a couple of bits and pieces which oh. when you're reading it in your Don't head, tell me this now. It sounds you like don't I'm... even notice, but when you say it out loud, you suddenly yeah. realize actually that's just a bit awkward, yep. that it's not quite right. That's good advice. That's really good advice actually. Um, in the Final Cut software I've got, you can assign voices, but it's kind of all the same voice, just a bit distorted. All right. <laughs> But so, which is a bit weird and even weird. Like, there's an old man, a young man, a young girl, or whatever. But you can do that, and that will read it out loud to you. So, but it's a bit robotic as well. Uh, but it is a real person's voice. It's Just not write a... a script that has robotic people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Autism, the movie. That's right. <laughs> All robots, real robots, like yeah. Gora. <laughs> I should... So. I, th- I thought of having a uh, an audio play where one of the characters was just a computer generated voice. That's it. Easy yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To pay them. Okay, okay. Red Dwarf, you know, like we've got, you know, the idea of a... Holly? Ro- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There was a, a robot in a robot in this movie, which I found peculiar, 216. Yes. He was a funny chap. He was a very odd character, the 216 robot. A good model, apparently. Yeah, an, up, <laughs> an upgrade. An upgrade on, we're not too sure. Uh, and I know Gravel, the character of Gravel, 
late or Gavarol, uh, again, pronunciation, sorry. Uh, we can be corrected, so get online, listen if you're listening in, writers and directors, yeah, correct yeah. us, Jim, please correct us. Jim Ilmaz, get in touch with get us. Get in touch, we'll put you on the next episode and you can totally uh, take the piss out of our pronunciation. We'll, ta- so, we'll tag you on Twitter. So Gora is about a young Turk, a ref, who's kidnapped by extraterrestrials and he's taken aboard a ship and they've done the same to other humans and he's taken to the planet Goran where he's kind of basically humans are treated as slaves and they're put to work in really crappy jobs. They're treated as presents for the kingdom, that kind of thing. They randomly get chips put in their head yeah, for no reason. For no reason. They sort of become zombies a little bit. And he, uh, Arif has to stand up to the commander to kind of get back to planet Earth. So that's kind of like a really short synopsis of it. We have some major characters. A riff is played by Chern. Chem. Chem. <laughs> but he also does do Professor, uh, not Professor, why am I saying Professor? General Loga. He's the good and the bad guy in this, which is really interesting. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Ah, oh, you didn't know. No. Wow. Yeah, well, this is his talents. This is amazing, isn't he? So he's the good and the bad guy. Yes, yes, is that that's, doing that's, your I'm, head I'm, in? Yeah, I know. I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of thinking about it. I go, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's the good and the bad guy. Um, we have Princess... What was her name? Princess Cheka, I think. Cheku. Cheku. Uh, we have the 216 robot. We have Kuna. We have Gavrovol. And then we have... Bob Mali Bob Farouk. Ma- <laughs> That's it. Bob yeah, Mali Farouk. My name is Bob Mali Farouk. <laughs> was, I mean, I, I mean you, before you were saying, should you laugh at things? You know, sometimes Adam Sandler goes to... Is this a joke? Like, I, I, was, I was a bit like, this is funny, but is it supposed to be funny? Like... I, I think... It, I think it was particularly like because it was a stereotype was a, of a, a porn movie director gone science fiction. <laughs> yeah, but was his background. never managed to make his first science fiction film. No, so um, sad. Poor fellow. <laughs> that was. And he ran a bar. And he, he had a, trouble, of yeah. course, because in Turkey his name was Bob Marley, and he was he's not anything like Bob Marley. <laughs> oh, really? No. He, he's far more like Farouk. Then he is Bob Marley. That's right. Yeah. So I think it was the joke. I think it was. So anyway, that, that's kind of the key uh, list of characters for the film. So we start off, as, as you mentioned, we have Arif. He's a little bit of a con artist. He's trying to con Japanese tourists about the sort of vintage of, uh, you know, the, the tourist <laughs> locations he's, in he's not, Turkey. He's not he, trying very hard no, to No, because he's even like, you know, like, oh, no, writing on the walls the or whatever. paintings, yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, he's, he's selling uh, used carpets. That's his sales pitch. He's also taking these really bad uh, photos of UFOs, which are just plates or whatever in the sky. I can't help but think that's a bit of a, um, a poke at himself there yes. or his own Turkish people are yes. being a used carpet salesman. I think if, so, yeah. As if every tourist goes through and gets hit by the, used, the fast-talking used carpet salesman. Yeah, yeah. And I think like there's good jokes in there in that start bit about what you're exactly saying like he's kind of with that moment where it's like oh it's uh, prince charles and, <laughs> and it, there's, there's, there's like, tourists and there's british people come to to buy cups. would you like some tea and they go they go no thank you and he's like put on the tea anyway you know in 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 the native language and it was like i liked that joke i thought that's funny you know it's like he did take the piss out of himself i think yeah. in that in that moment um so and then all of a sudden, from the, the British, he's kidnapped and he's zapped across a, a spaceship by a General Loga, as uh, the impression I get. And they've kidnapped 
a variety of humans from all over the planet. And on board, this is where we get some great comedy, I think, where he's he is a used, you know, snake. Is that what do they say? Snake oil salesman. Um, is that right? That's right. I a think used, it's a, a used snake. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? That's so it, yeah. they they. He, you know, that kind of person tries to weasel their way out of any trouble, don't they? Yeah. And that's what he's basically doing. Like he, he tries to trick the, the guard. Pitch, he's yeah. saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not part of these people. You know, like one of the other humans resists and gets kind of zapped. And he like, hey, you don't stand in line kind of thing. You know, like he's always the troublemaker in a way. Mm. But he's, and he's using his charm, his wit, his language. And I, I really liked that. He's visited by a mystery man in a... <laughs> In a cloak, which straight away is a great ripoff of Star Wars, isn't it? It comes distorted in there, telling him, I'm pretty sure that he has the force uh, within him. And You're he the needs chosen to, one. You, you are the, the chosen force. one, Use yeah. the force. Which he disagrees with uh, he keeps, profusely. keeps giving a little jab in the ribs. <laughs> ah, fuck, ah, fuck. <laughs> That's right. So he's like, you know, this hologram image of Gavril. Or oh, we don't know at that point, I don't think. Anyway, they get to Gora. He learns uh, the hard way that there's no easy way out. In fact, like it's, you know, he tries a variety of ways to escape this the prison. <laughs> it keeps going on about the air vents. Yeah, they the go through the out. ventilation all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, but he keeps kind of like, he comes through the air vents and he's then in front of guards. He dresses as a guard and, <laughs> and, and, and smokes. And he's noticeably shorter than yeah, all the other yeah, guards. And yeah, you know, and all that. And uh, so he keeps getting kind of rejected from all his ideas. And he also, within the prison, other humans, they're slaves, they're got chips and they're kind of dribbling. <laughs> That's just um, the announcement over the intercom. The following humans will present themselves to be given chips. Yeah, that's right. And there's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. No, it's just no. randomly selected to get a chip in the head and basically lobotomize them. Yeah. He's, you know, he's put in line, he's put in place. Um, other humans, there's a moment that it kind of is like there will be a confrontation with these other humans. It was a bit, I'm, I wasn't too sure what was about to happen in that scene. And then we do have Bob Marley, Farouk, kind of save him. Uh, pull pull his weight because Bob Marley Farouk is like the kitchen aid or kitchen hand or yeah. something. Cook or something. Cook, whatever. But he's got a bit of power. So all of a sudden he he didn't admit it to a riff, but then it, he he says, well, he's Turkish as well. So like that, that's their affinity. We're both we're both Turks. So we'll look after each other compared Although to... Well, he makes a point, though, that everyone's talking Turkish. So how are you supposed yeah. to know who's human or not? <laughs> That's right. So, which, again, I thought was a really cool joke at itself, you know, that they all mm. did speak. Because they do that right at the very start. And they, they speak English and they go, we don't need to speak English. We can speak... Yeah, don't, don't just speak English. We can speak Turkish. Yeah, and the rest of the movie's in Turkish. <laughs> and then... <laughs> actually, that opening scene that yeah, yeah. they're saying, uh, opening the fucking shield... <laughs> <laughs> the, the fucking button is fl- fucking flashing at me. <laughs> I, I don't know how how much English the Turkish audiences would know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I can't quite tell what, at what levels that joke's going for, but I found it very funny that there's these people who are clearly enunciating <laughs> fucking in front of almost yeah. everything. Yes. Uh, and then they swapped it Turkish and didn't swear at all. Yeah. So Araf, uh, General Logar, sorry, is, impresses the king, but not his daughter, the princess, uh, Princess Cheku. Cheku, that's it. You say that really well, sorry, actually. But so he impresses the king with the fact that he's come back from earth with slaves and all this and these little gifts, <laughs> those weird gifts he gives out to them all, um, and, but not the daughter, not, not Princess Cheku. 
and uh, he wants to marry her. He wants to know has she been talking about him? You know, is she in love with him? But he's basically told no. She's not. She's not into him. Uh, and Arif with uh, kind of getting to know Bob Marley Farouk. Uh, they work in the kitchen. They're both Turkish. They get along well. Um, and really, it's a great plot point, I think, because basically Bob he's saying to him, "Well, let's escape. Let's let's get a plan." And Bob Marley says. Well, back on Earth, and we get this flashback, this great flashback, don't yeah. we? You know, that he was making porn movies <laughs> and then he has a science fiction script and he's given the green light to make the science fiction script and then it's kind of like the whole the place is, the director gets for, arrested. and What was he arrested for? Something ridiculous. And he just immediately moves he just, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puts no, his handcuffs on and gets dragged And out. that was a riff again. You know, that was germ germ again yeah so he's uh he doesn't want to go back to earth because he's like i owe money like if i go back i owe money i'm going to die so it was kind of a nice plot point because it made a riff kind of you know get used to the world that he was in now uh princess checo is then we have a great scene she's obsessed with earth she's dancing with the 216 robot and they're having a good time dancing away and she says she loves how humans love to dance and sing and they let's, seem to have a culture. Kiss like humans do. Yeah, yeah. And of course, 216 goes, oh, no, no that's no. And I'm wondering if his flamboyant speech patterns were some sort of take on C-3PO. Yeah, I, th- I, I think C-3PO so. was like, oh, dear, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Um, he, look, he was, uh, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, I think it was just the joke of it, but he I mean, it was a very flamboyant uh, robot. You know, playing off a stereotype, but I mean, we had Bob Marley Farouk in this movie, so the movie is not is you know is, is tongue in cheek, yeah. Mm. Uh, and, so, and that's that's what I mean. Is like I'm going. Is it okay for me to laugh at these yeah. things? But it's presented in such a a playful, yeah, uh, charming sort of a way. I found that it didn't it didn't really paint anyone out to be bad, mm. as it were, villainous or no. or incorrect. No, but yeah, certainly everyone every character was bit of a caricature yes it was yeah logar was was distinctly evil and yes ridiculous over the top let's just blow up the whole town yeah. <laughs> shoot everyone and i mean <laughs> and i mean it's important later in the film but how about that little guy that kept they kept like ordering him away like he just kept wandering into every an scene. object is approaching an object is approaching. why do you keep <laughs> yes, yes, they, yes, just, they were just dismissing him get out of here you what boy. are you an oracle yeah <laughs> get out he just kept dismissing like he never had a chance to explain himself so and pretty much it's good that we said that because the next main plot point, I think, is that there's a mystery fireball suddenly heading to the planet Gora. Um, and this is a trick from Logar. He's caused it or he's brought it towards them or something. And he has a plan that he says, I will save the planet through this special weapon. Don't rely on our old customs, the uh, four pyramids or something, the four, yeah, the four rocks or sacred artifacts. Sacred artifacts. And um, so he has this big weapon and he sets it up and the king, and he says, I will save Gora if I can then marry Princess Cheku. Well, he, he burnt the instruction manual for the ancient artifacts. Yes. Yeah. So that no one knew how to use them. That's right as well, yeah. So he destroyed the way that so other people could use it and he's got this special weapon. The king sort of reluctantly agrees and even her mother says to her, well, you know, we sometimes you have to do these things, you know, mm. for the greater good kind of thing. Because she is really repulsed by him, that's Princess Chiku. The fireball comes and Loga is he's impotent. He can't fire the weapon. His weapon fails. His weapon fails. A bit of it falls off to the side and he can't operate it properly. And, yeah. 
Uh, it's funny you do say the word impotent there, and uh, yeah, because it, it, is, it is a bit, bit of a foreshadowing, a bit of a um, yeah play on that. That there is with a, a big masculine mm. gun, yeah, which it then won't work. He can't he can't operate it, and he's yeah. a bit embarrassed. It's mm. just, this never happened. Yeah. yeah, and anyway, so the humans are all watching this huge fireball, and they're watching uh, General Logo. He's, he's not successful, and a riff keeps like he realizes he's like this is the same thing from the Fifth Element. Yeah. Like it's the movie, the Fifth Element. And everyone else doesn't really get what he's talking about. He's going, it is from the Fifth Element. You need to use the wood sacred stones. Fire, wood fire air and earth <laughs> so he he convinces them how did he convince them to let him go there was it it was with the robot wasn't it yeah yeah I the, think. The, the robot sort of snuck him out that's right i think yeah through the ventilation no doubt yeah anyway so he, he rocks up in front of everyone and he says i can you know it's from the fifth element they don't know what he's talking about uh, I, I was really liking all of that, you know, because Fifth Element's such a great sci-fi. And we should probably do that one day. We probably should uh, probably put it on our classic list. Anyway, so he, he says to the king, I can do this. Like, we can use the stones. and uh, But um, all you need to then, what I want in return is I want to go back to Earth. And the king says, sure, you know, like, I agree, we'll agree to those terms. And he does it, and it's quite a good scene where he's blowing on it. Oh, <laughs> oh air. Oh, no, it doesn't work, wood. It's, it's, it's wood, earth, yeah. air, and fire. Oh yeah, fire and fire. And says wood. Wood's not an element. Don't you mean water? Yeah. He says no, no wood. And he gets he a piece of wood. wood. He goes wood and drops it on him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah, but he kept doing the wood <laughs> on every <laughs> And he kept then then changing it to one of the elements. And then all of a sudden he's done all four. You think oh, it should work, but he needs. He needs the, the princess the in the fifth middle. Element the fifth element. The fifth element. The love. Life yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. Um, but again, I mean, it's quite a nice little scene because he gets her down there and he asks her permission. To well, I thought that was really good because I was sort of, again, I was going, oh, how is this Is this going to be a bit out? creepy? Is you this going to be like, a bit creepy yeah. that he's just kind of like, but no, he goes, oh, no, well, uh, you know, we're supposed to kiss, but I suppose it doesn't really matter all that yeah. much. Yeah. And she goes, oh, no, no, I'd like because she'd previously in the show in the movie gone, I want to know what's like when humans kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, there was so we a, have a build up here that yeah. she's not actually into him. Yeah. But she wants she to, wants to know this whole yeah. human custom. And he was being very charming and nice because yeah, he was kinda so, like, No, I don't we don't have to do it like, you know, we can we can just kind of, you know And I, I think that, that really <laughs> that really uh, saved the cat for it me, did, as it were. It did really made me think, no, he is genuinely kind, nice, mm. interested in people. Yep. And humanity. So he's done this, he kisses her. And the fifth element, boom, fireball from the sky. Oh, he's going to get to go back to Earth, isn't he? Sorry, it's all going to be a deal done. But no, General no, Logar. Yeah, I know, that's right. General Logar, he, he says, what, what, he's an earthling, he's a slave. Arrest him, get him out of here. You know, and he dismisses it all and the deal and everything is, and a riff is taken back to the prison with the 216 robot. And uh, the wedding will go ahead, he claims. And so he kind of pushes ahead with that. So the princess wants to escape uh, the whole city and obviously the robot and a riff are together. Oh, well, she discovers that she's half human. Yeah, her was, dad yep. was a human. That's why she's she going, oh, I want to find my dad then. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or, did I just take you? No, that's fine. That's fine. That's pretty much what exactly happens in that. So with that, she decides we need to get out of here and um, they they come up with the plan that a riff and the robot, like all of them, could get out, and they're going to go to an. Are they going to go to? A, they're going to go to a city, aren't they? Another town. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, of the town. which is the connection to her Earth father, and um, so they do escape, 
back through the air vents again. Yeah. Uh, Bob Marley doesn't really want to come, but a riff convinces says, him to come. There's no he, way out. Yeah, I, you know, like, I've tried. You can't get out. You and he says, well, out. I'll come for the journey, you know. <laughs> I think he get, ends up being convinced to come on the journey. Yeah, so then they get they end up in this town with the princess and they come out of the sewer. So they've gone now the air vents. And, you know, we're now in this, like, which I reckon was quite funny because I think the film being Turkish, it's their cultural version of it because all of a sudden we're in an alien Turkish market, really. <laughs> you know, it's very similar to what you get in those kind of like, you know, people haggling, but it's an alien environment. Billowing cloth. Yeah. Stalls. Stalls, yeah. It was very Turkish to me, but I'm Everyone sorry. Everyone greeting Bob Marley yeah. Farouk. <laughs> they all knew him. Hey, welcome back. It was, it's good to see you again. Yeah, that's right. He knew everyone. And anyway, so they're trying to find someone to get vehicles. They know the connection to get the vehicles to escape. Again, I think great scene was those transport vehicles and they speed off into the desert. Logar is, however, pretty quickly on his tail. And as you just mentioned before, he rocks up to this town and just burns it all to the ground. <laughs> Even the guy who's... He keeps questioning people and they say yeah. they don't know anything, so he shoots them and then yeah. finally gets a person who's going to talk and then he's... <laughs> and he and shoots he, him. Yes, what, what's the, the quip? Is something like, you know, you're going to talk to us. Oh, talking to you would be really bad news. And the guy just <laughs> shoots him. And we hadn't asked him the question yet. We hadn't even got to the question. So yeah. anyway, he burns it to the ground in laughter and evilness as they do. Araf and the princess and... Uh, the robot and um, Bob Marley are out in the desert for the night campfire. And yeah, the princess and, or Chaku and Arif have a nice moment. They talk about uh, what men are like on planet Earth. And he talks about Brad Pitt. These are some are like Brad Pitt. They're, yeah. they're good looking boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, you know, talks romantically, talks about himself. And they're going to kind of have a moment. And then they're interrupted. And it's Logar and his men come firing out so they all sort of run off into the Bob Marley's fire. Bob Marley's fire interrupts it, but I'm yes. just I'm trying to speed the plot a little bit. Come on. And uh so that they head they try to escape and the princess is recaptured. He's he uh General Logo is then like, you know, we get, the wedding goes on, the other men have been destroyed by the soldiers, you know, we move forward. The next day the boys are disheveled and you know alone and they've lost the princess and they don't really know where they are and all they don't have any connection they have no more um, vehicles to get anywhere and then he realizes Gavrival or Garvel and so I think he did maybe rock up again in vision or something but they realize that they're close to him so they they head to him don't they yeah and they find they find Garvel and they have the, a very interesting scene there where they talk about the princess's father this mystery father and they go, that's right, yeah. You're his father? Yeah. And Gary Bell says, no, no, I'm not her father. <laughs> and everyone turns to look at Bob Marley. And they say, no. <laughs> no, he's not. No, no, he died. Her father's dead. He was a, he was a fighter pilot. And he, yeah, he's, yeah, he he's died. Dead. Yeah, and he's also saying he's been stuck here on Gora for a long time and he's too old to go back to Earth. But he's, you know, he and he, he chose... A riff because of the mobile phone connection. He yes. picked up on his mobile phone. He was waiting for someone that he could connect with, and it was the mobile phone <laughs> signal that did it. That's why he's the chosen one. That's why then he was the chosen one. So then we have a great montage of getting ready training because they they decide well the plan you know storm the castle, storm the castle. It's a good plot point. Storm yes. the castle. They need a plan. They're going to save the princess. Uh, so they need to train themselves up, don't they? Yeah. And so we have this great montage of. 
really, you know, taking the piss out of the Matrix, as you mentioned before, the Commodore 64. Commodore 64 mixtape. So yeah. he learns all the martial arts. Yeah. And uh, he's got a know, plethora of uh, little tiny classic hits of, of those. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'll show you. And tantric sex, I think, is in there or <laughs> yeah, something the, like the that. Tower of sex. That's right, yeah. So there's a there's a whole bunch of things that he can and it's this awful little head yeah, hair salon thing that hair they put on hair dryer. Yeah. But when he emerges, he is. He's a different man, isn't he? He's well trained. And I love it that there's a line there that he says he sort of says on the sly, when I get back to Earth, I'll get rid of it. Yes. <laughs> like, like, he's like, because you, you sort of, you think of the Matrix, you think, wow, it'd be so cool to be trained in a second, you know, a few seconds in Kung Fu or whatever. Um, and I, I thought that was such a funny line from there. As soon as I get back to Earth, I'll delete yeah, it all. Right. all this, this good. <laughs> um, so, and there's also like, they're learning from Gavril. They're like in a classroom scenario. They re-mock out the Matrix <laughs> you know, of, of him bending back with the... the <laughs> but it, it's like they're just reenacting the The hairdryer and he's, yeah. he's like... He's trying to bend backwards, and the and the camera is telling them to take the camera around. Yeah, when I know? when I bend back, you get you got to spin around, spin around with the camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was a great few sort of moments of uh, yeah, karate kid, karate kid, he's, he's, he's painting, and yeah, and he yeah, everywhere he's walking, he's he's doing mantis yes. style kung fu or something like that. But that's great. He's like, I think you just wanted me to paint your wall for free, <laughs> and then he goes, no, no, it's all part. Martial arts is not just used for beating people no. up. And he's doing the kind of like the kung fu, and there's I think it's supposed to be three suns, you know, in the background yeah. setting, and it's you know his uh, shadow. So I thought I thought that was really nice. Um, so they plan the attack. Uh, the idea is the wedding's going ahead. So when we cut to the castle, so to speak, the 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 space station or whatever it is, there the wedding's in full steam. You know, the guests and the bride is getting ready and all that sort of stuff. Uh, she's still saying, I don't want to marry him. And, you know, so all of that confrontation is going on. They come back through the events <laughs> and they're going through it. And the whole time they're filming it saying this will be the... Because actually we missed that. Gavril had an old video camera, didn't yeah. he? So that was, was trying to film it. They're filming it because he's saying this is going to be the best action film ever. Best you know? science fiction you've ever filmed, yeah. Bob. <laughs> We're presuming Bob's filmed a few. Anyway, and then when they're going through the events, they discover Logar and his assistant... Are having an intimate moment with that little guy that they've kept dismissing, <laughs> which was so random. And we, 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 uh, as an audience, we cut in on that scene, and it's it's yeah, like a sexy the, scene. Somewhere they, in a bed with a big fur rug over all <laughs> yeah, of them, and they're all just they were just having a chat and a little yeah. sip of champagine or a smoke of a cigarette or something. It's funny because as an audience, we sort of see them talk to him, and I think they ask him, "What does he want?" And he's like, he actually reveals who he is a little bit, and um, and then. We cut to Logar and that, and they sort of like see through the air vent that these three are in bed together having yeah. a moment. Um, so, yeah, anyway, and then the wedding is going ahead. Logar is playing the harp and then, you know, to, to really seduce bad. her really badly. And everyone's really happy and they're, they're going to get married. And um, I liked how the princess and her mum, they had those really cool sort of crowns. You know, they actually had really cool crowns, I thought. Really space styled crowns. And Araf interrupts the wedding. This is the Mission Impossible. You know, he's dun, dun, dun. he just comes flying through the ceiling, like, you know, hovering a foot off the ground. Interrupts the video and he confronts Logar, who's kind of like, get rid of him. But he's like, no, play the video. So they play the video and it's the three, the three of them in bed, as you said, uh, the three men in bed. And he's horrified. And of course, he's not only, you know, that there's the men in bed when he's about to get married. But it's also that he's, he talks about taking over from yeah, the it's, king. It's 
more the confessions of how he's blackmailing the king and yeah. how he's set up the fireball. And That's right. He's how he's basically, and he, and he calls all the Gorons idiots. And, yes. yeah, oh, they're all just stupid. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like, you know, abusing everyone. So there's no way he could become the king. Um, and then he, I think there's a quick little fight with Arif. But because of his kung fu matrix, there's a matrix moment. There is the matrix moment yeah. where he leaps up, leaps up, and like bullets. dodges the bullets, kicks him over, and then as I think as you said as well, he's then just arrested. The king orders that he's arrested, and then for thanking Arif for saving Gora, he says, "You know what? What do you want?" And he says, "Well, we just want to return to Earth, basically." And the princess wants to because. She her father was from Earth, and yeah, so she, she wants, wants to, to learn return. about Earth. Yeah, yeah, she wants to learn about Earth, and he, and the king wishes that. Uh, and then just when they're about to depart, he gets his camera back. So he wants to again go right back to that start of taking a photo of an alien yes. spaceship, you know. So he they, does. They do a selfie. Yeah, they do, and then that's a nice transition to his back on Earth. And the guy he's trying to sell that photo to says, "Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this is so fake. This is a terrible spaceship." So he's denied that. And then we come out and the princess in the car and she kind of questions him, you know, will she ever fit into Earth? And and he's like, yeah, just it'll just take some time, basically. Yeah. And that's the end. Roll they, credits. They drive off in the convertible and yep. she's got the uh, breakfast at Tiffany's scarf yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so and rolling credits, really big, powerful credits, Turkish credits. Yes, it was quite a... It's just... <laughs> there is some moments this is, in this, this that are this, really funny. This yeah, is definitely a movie here where I mean, I, I found a few of the moments there quite quite humorous, and I was watching this on the train and had to um, stifle yeah. myself a few times. But now, just thinking back on some of them mm. as well, it's it's definitely a movie you think back on and realize that it's quite crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think it do very well uh, with. Uh, you could probably just a bit of a drinking game. Yeah, every time I talk, talk about ventilation shots. I, I think also. Um, there's that movie that's so bad it's good, uh, the the Room, out of America, and what happened with that movie was it was so it was so bad and the you room? know flopped the Room. Oh. I'm pretty sure it's the Room. Yeah, you might need to Google that. <laughs> and this guy has become famous because of this. I'm sure it's the Room. And anyway, that became so it, it totally flopped and everything. But what happened was yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. And what's that guy's name? To- uh, Tommy Wiseau. That's it, right? And this guy has built a career from this terrible movie uh, where he funded it, he did it all himself. It was a crazy movie. And uh, the thing is, he uh, it, the film became a success from like film students and stuff just going, this bad, this movie's so bad, it's so good. You know what I mean? Like, And mm. that's literally like screenings popped up over the world since I think it's about 2003 of this movie where people just go and they just laugh their butts off at it because it's so bad. But it's so bad, it's good. Now, gore is actually good, I reckon. You know, it, like, it's, it's deceptive, it, I yeah, thought, I, because like, at times it's, it's clearly done on a comedy budget, hmm. but it's, it all fits the, the theme and the pacing and the, the fact that they've, they've got some quite spectacular scenery, like they some do. of the interiors of yeah. you know, neon light-filled corridors that that you know you'd, you'd see in any spaceship a bit over the top in many cases but that's the whole point of it so it, it is it is a very well sort of put together film and the spaceships flying about and mm. the gunfire and stuff all very effective yeah yeah and i think like you're saying this would be a good drinking game movie but that's the other thing like just just festival this would make a really good festival sort of movie for the right sort of audience you know like mm. an audience that's a bit like 
like you and I, like we're going in with the right mindset. We're saying we're open to this movie being the best movie ever. We're open to it just being sci-fi. This movie's got heaps of great sci-fi in it. And then because it has a lot of those homages and it's literally joking about those homages. Yeah, a lot of little references um, there. There are lots of little references that when you you and I, we, we really enjoy sci-fi, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you're picking up on a lot of them and they're subtle enough or really obvious enough that like it works. I think it does actually really Well, the work. fact that he is uh, in that market and he's paying for things, he tries to pay with some American dollars. <laughs> yeah. And they go, well, what is this? This is earth currency. I don't want yeah. that. So he pulls out you know, a thousand lira or something. I don't know how much that is in yeah. Australian dollars. And he goes, oh, yes, yes, Turkish money. Yeah, now that's NATO. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I think that, and that's another part of the comedy of the film that you and I maybe are a bit like, should we laugh at this or should we not? But I think it's a, there's enough of it in the film that they they are joking that they're Turkish, you know, as well. Like there's the, there's a good laugh at themselves that they're not Hollywood, you know, and they're they're not the big guys, and they're so they're just sort of doing what they're doing. Yeah, let's, <laughs> and, that's, and that's the funny thing. There is and, the scene where they they go in to pick a riff up from his cell while to present him to the king. And he's squatting, taking a crap on the floor. <laughs> mm. That's and that's Will Smith. So he's just watching, going, "This yeah, is yeah. so wrong." This and film. I mean that guy, that little guy that just keeps coming in, and you're like, you know, there's an object approaching. Strange you know? object like, is approaching, and they just abuse him oh, every and we time. Find it, he's just a child. Yeah, <laughs> leave him alone. He he's a just beard. a child. Yeah, no. Well, at the end, doesn't he? Like after Loga gets arrested, he kind of comes in, doesn't he? And yes. then they go, "Don't." Princess goes, "Don't hurt him. He's only a child." Yeah. <laughs> But then if he was only a child, they just slept with him, didn't they? Well, so, that's the implication. Yeah. They certainly gave him champagne. But he did run away, yeah. Anyway, so there's a lot to say about this movie. Definitely worth going to check out. So that's the plot and everything. And, of course, the reason Logar was so hellbound against humans was for his father's arrival to Earth to mm. make <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, I'd forgotten that. You've just reminded me. Yeah. farmer sitting there. <laughs> They go to look at the donkey the farmer's yeah. doing. The farmer goes, oh, and runs over. Right, chases him away with chases sticks. Him. The robot falls over and the first thing the farmer does yeah, is pulls right. his pants out and jumps, jumps on and rapes the robot. Yeah. That, was, that was something I was going, I can't believe they just Yeah, I know. I'd forgotten Except that. it's just like a, it's a reversal of a probe. So normally yeah. the human gets taken yeah. by the aliens and the, the machine comes down and probes them. Yeah. Well, in this one, the machine, the guy turns up with his robot. That's his right. robot gets probed. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot that from the plot points, man. Yeah, I'm just, glad you brought that back up. The uh, vision is back. <laughs> it's just the it horror was... look on his face as his farmer is molesting his robot. Yeah. It's just like. <gasps> yeah. Because yeah. it's such a, um, they did that really well as well because it's it's like, you know, like an old film. The isn't old it? And, and, yeah, type the, thing. And the, the old robot and is white, clearly a guy a, an in old, a tin suit. And, <laughs> and you know, like the ro- the actual spaceship as well as like an old classic spaceship from yeah. the sort of 1950s films up a, on the, the hill. Bad smoke. Yeah, yeah. And they walk down. <laughs> and that <laughs> just he just wants to go on the robot to tell them off. <laughs> who I don't know who comes up with that idea, but that's great. It was oh, funny. That was definitely what I was wearing. Through. I wasn't sure. Is it, it, should I laugh at it? I couldn't help it though, because it's just uh, this, this guy in a tin man costume. Just <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, it is, it's good. Good moments in this film. See, we're yeah. laughing our butts off. There you go. It's, it's definitely. As I said, it's definitely one of those films where you, you think back at some of these scenes you and do, you realise you, at how outlandishly 
amusing they are. I think I said for 2001, you know, it's a film that you, you know, after you watch, you can't help but think about it. And I mean, Gora, you probably move on from, but like you and I just demonstrated, you start talking about a moment from it and you laugh. Like uh, you can't help but think about yeah, some it re- of the scenes. It reminds me then of uh, that movie, This Is Spinal Tap. Yes. You've seen that? Yeah. The, yeah you I remember watching that and going, oh, this is quite amusing. Yeah. But then when I was talking to other people about it and thinking back on each of these scenes, you realise... So you realise how funny it How is. very yeah. well produced these little humorous scenes are. That's quite good. So well, I watched this on the train, which made it quite difficult because uh, there were moments where I was, I was doing that horse wheezing mm-hmm. laugh, <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying not to um, disturb too many passengers with Wayne's hilarity. Uh, it was it was quite good for that. Uh, I didn't watch this with my wife because she's not that into Turkish comedies. movies. Oh, comedies and comedies. <laughs> oh, I know. Have we watched any other Turkish movies? Maybe one, but I can't remember it. Mm. And, and that was quite quite good. I, I don't think you needed a large screen for this. No, no. I watched it on my laptop as well on the train. So it was a couple of train journeys to get through it. Um, so so it was a bit interrupted, but I I didn't feel that 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 disrupted the storyline, you know, no, you, you knew have, what was going on. didn't have long build-up tension, you know, you're not watching no. a Alfred Hitchcock classic thriller. Yeah. Maybe we should do another, actually, um, entire podcast about Alfred Hitchcock movies. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There is, there is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was happy to watch it on that. And I, and I think, like we've been mentioning, you know, maybe this works well as a festival film, you know, people laughing and talking during it, maybe as a drinking game film or, you know, yeah, you could sit around with a bunch of buddies, I think, and just watch this movie and, you know, like you could get up to the fridge and snacks and stuff and you'd yeah. follow the story. Like yeah, it wouldn't maybe. really matter too much. And, uh, you know, you, you could pause it and rewind moments, you know, that you thought were funny. That did the farmer just in the Leicester <laughs> let's watch that again let's so on, yeah man. there's and you know logo as I said, and even that start like i kind of watched uh, i'd i'd forgotten about it as well but even that start like yeah they're swearing and they're screaming and then and then they say well we don't need to do this in english you know and they swap to turkish like yeah as if like, english is just swearing <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know like it was a funny it was a funny break. This movie does break the fourth wall. I want to, I want to mention it in the technicalities. And, it, and they, they broke it then and they break it later in the film uh, twice more. And it's, mm. it's funny that when films do that because I think they are kind of joking at themselves as well. You know, like they are, they, you know, you can do it in a very dramatic way, but th- this movie they're doing it as a joke. So, yeah, it's, it's a good movie, I think, for those reasons. And you don't have to stress too much about watching on a big screen or a little screen. Um, but it also holds its time. Like I, I'm again going in watching this viewing. I don't Google anything. I don't look at anything. I just watched it, and then realizing afterwards, yeah, it's 2004. Yeah, so like, I, I was suspicious because of the, the sheer number of Matrix. <laughs> yeah. I sort of thought, if this was a 2018, 2016 sort of thing, it like, seems a bit of a delay there. But 2004, something like that. I still thought it was very relevant. Puts that into into perspective there. But yeah. otherwise, no, I. I it didn't show any particular age there. It didn't. Um, he drove a classic. Yeah, car, that's like the thing. He drove. Yeah, convertible old car. at home, and and he was working out of an old Turkish. Yeah, and yeah, his building phone that he, was done up like a a, a relic. Yeah, a yeah, museum as it were. Yeah, and I mean his phone was a flip phone, but sometimes in these movies, you know, they 
the character, like this character, he's not a wealthy guy, you know, like it, it can yeah. kind of make sense. Of it, it, suits, it suits the part it of a fast-talking yeah. haggler that yeah. he's got a little, it's just a little flip Nokia. Maybe yeah. it's a burner phone so that That's right. he just gets rid of it and gets another one later on when too many people have that phone number. That's right, yeah. So I think, yeah, kind of it, it, stayed, it stays well in the fact that, yeah, well, it is 15 years old now. Mm. Um, what about the ladder? So I, my ladder as it sits is the lobster... Other Life, Passengers, The Beyond, Revolt, Darkest Dawn, Equals, and Spectral. And I'm going to put Gora at the, at, the, at the lower rung there. My main justification for that is because it is more comedy sci-fi. Yeah. You know, and, and I want to talk about in the te- technicalities you mentioned before, like things like the sets and stuff, they were really great in this film. They were very sci-fi. So we'll come back to that. But I just think that... Yeah, I mean, really, I, I almost think this is just a comedy, you know, and it's just got the science fiction plot points to it, you know. So that's that's why I put it there. Um, I, not necessarily, but I think it's really well worth seeing, you know. Uh, yeah, out, I, th- out I of think all the movies that we've done so far are, are worth having a look at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, I'm going to put Gara at the bottom as well. Um, again, for the same reasons. It's 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 a different feel of comedy. Like The Lobster was, was arguably comedic. Yeah. But it was more of a you know art reflection of life mm. comedy, whereas this was let's art reflecting art comedy, if you will. So yeah, for sure, uh, I would definitely say we should recommend people to do have a watch of it. And because it's Turkish, it has a different, it has a distinctly different feel to the way yeah. the scenes out roll out, the way the characters are portrayed. Yeah, and. Uh, a number of other aspects, but yes. Well, I, th- I think, again, like you, you, you see culture in it, you know, like even when sh- the princess was saying, I love uh, how earth earthlings and humans, they dance and they have music. Well, the music was actually quite, it was like belly dancing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, again, Middle Eastern dancing, not so much Western dancing. Uh, when they had that marketplace, it was very Turkish, you know, mm. again, as I said. The, the way that the king and the daughter and the marriage was talked about, again, it kind of, I think, questions a little bit of that arranged marriage that you do get in Middle Eastern countries still today. So I think what's great always of watching a film from just a different country, like we're very Western, obviously in Australia, you, you just get a bit of a different, even like this, it's a science fiction comedy. This could have been made in America, like this same style. Uh, and 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 just being the same, but because it's Turkish, it, it has a bit of a different glimmer on it. Yeah, it's got it's got that. It's got, that it's got their point of view on it. Yeah, yeah it's got it's... a bit of spice. Yeah, and I mean, even when Bob Marley and uh, Arif do connect to each other, they do a very cultural. Oh, your name, and they sort of sit there and they have a smoke, and you can tell there's that Turkish culture there. Again, I'm not an expert on it, but it's very yeah, different well, to well, what you would get. They weren't having a beer, for example, no, no, or, and... or whiskey, and then. Consoling themselves about their—it was a different culture playing out on screen, and that's great. That's what's always good about it. And I mean, when you watch an Australian film, you'll see the same. You know, that's eclectic Australian. You'll see that it's a different culture. We saw that in other life, in the way the security guard that that scene where she goes in and she talks to the security guard. That interaction there is Mm. a very Australian situation, as opposed to the the American films, which will have the security guard is quick to pull a gun and, That's right. you know, suspicious and and the way you deal with them is by knocking them out as fast That's as you right. can. Yeah. Whereas this was like, I think he offered her a cup of tea. Yes. And, you know, and they were kind of conversational. 
and she sort of tricked him to sort of step away and then she ran for it type of thing. But uh, yeah, and that's yeah, that's yeah. why I t- that's actually one of the reasons I chose God. I thought, well, it's uh, what what's a Turkish take on a mm-hmm. science fiction and a comedy? I, I have no clue. Yep, I've not watched a Turkish science fiction film nor a Turkish comedy, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it'd be well worth the experience. And it was a very good choice. So let us know your relative preferences if you're out there. It'd be still good. I, ha- I haven't heard anyone's preferences from the films we've picked. <laughs> no, <laughs> so no the good. only preferences we've heard is uh, Ben C. Lucas quite liked The Other Life and uh, has liked The Beyond. Yeah. So these are the directors and, of I, I know, films. No doubt. I mean, Drew, Drew Casson, he didn't exactly... Say he liked it, but no. he appreciated our appreciated comments on comment, it. So yeah. we can—that's their yeah. rankings, I'm yeah. guessing, but they're kind of biased. Yeah, they are a bit biased. The directors, so it'd be good to, uh, you know, you hear some people out there listening to the podcast or that have heard of these films and might want to rank them themselves. If there's any Turkish people out there who want to like school us on yeah. Turkish pronunciation that's or right. culture or culture, <laughs> please be our guest. We we look forward to it. So, what about best scene? Sorry, did you have a best scene in the film? Yeah, so, Apart from the robot. <laughs> well, Apart from the robot okay. being molested okay, so by the, the very, farmer. The very opening Let's move scene on from that scene. Okay. Was, was very good. Yeah. Uh, it came in with the, the big spaceship it did. flying dramatically through space, the deep rumble, and there was you know people walking around very efficiently and very... Yeah. Great uh, costumes. Headsets on, the lights yeah. and blinking. Yep. And then in a very business-like tones, they were <laughs> speaking English, throwing the word fuck into yeah. every second bit. Yeah, that was just kind of. I was thinking, oh, okay, uh, that uh, I wasn't because we haven't seen the rest of the film yet. It's just we've sort of seen the Star Wars or yeah. classic sci-fi entry. I'm going, is this what so is the this film going- is? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, is this going to be what it's like the whole way through? And then they interrupt and go, no, let's just talk Turkish. Yeah, and then the swearing was gone, and they were just talking in a more sort of conversational voice rather than this sort of official. Yeah, but swearing. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. to follow that that same sort of contrast between the English language with the swearing and then the Turkish non-swearing, when uh, Arif is driving away from having failed to sell his photos because the the sticker was still on the plate that he'd taken a photo of, and he picked up this this old guy. Yeah, he did. And and Arif says, "Oh, do you mind if I turn the music on?" He says, "Oh, none of that new stuff. They might be saying something bad about my mother, and I wouldn't know." Yeah. He says, "Ah." No, this is this is very new. They, you know, how old is your mother? Oh, yeah, no, this is this. Is they won't be talking about your they mother. They won't even know your mother. Yeah. <laughs> he puts the tape in, and, and it's just like, "I'm a motherfucker, I'm a motherfucker," <laughs> and it's just, and he kind of he does that little look towards the camera. Yeah, yeah. Is that that fourth wall sort of acknowledging? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that was that was funny, and the old dude's just sort of bobbing yeah. his head along to it. I, I really, that it really established a good bit of tone there between yeah. this this idea that. Yeah, they're, they're kind of a bit conservative, if you like, mm-hmm. in this this rural Turkish location he was in. Uh, but Arif is is a man of movement mm. and culture, and, yep. uh, and yeah, it's just, he's trying to make things happen, isn't he? And himself. and he knows that this this old dude doesn't speak English, obviously, because yep. he's just bopping on the music. Yeah, so it, <laughs> it was a very good very good establishment there of I suppose a bit of tone and humour, uh, and the sharp contrast. Yep. Brought about a lot of the a lot of the humour there, and I, I I did appreciate that very much. As honourable mention, of course, to the camping scene, where we get a bit of a science fiction moment where they they're pulling these I can't remember what the trees are, yeah. but they're basically sausages <laughs> hanging yeah. off the trees. Yeah, yeah, they're in the sausage forest yeah. where they pick 
they have, because it, there's a, you know um, every it's like dried sausage, you know, every like, opportunity <laughs> for them to have just not yeah. done any of that. Yeah. But this was like, no, we're in science fiction. Yeah. And this is a science fiction world where the trees grow sausage. Yeah. So I, I dried out sausages like you know chorizo or something yeah, that you can just eat. <laughs> probably some Turkish equivalent of chorizo. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just thought that was that was a, a lovely nod to genuine science fiction. Definitely, like there was an actual. It's kind of humorous, but it's not really a joke at all. Yeah. It's just like, well, a tree could produce something yep. somewhat meat-like. Yeah, and I mean the the robot I know says to uh, Bob Marley, he goes, "Oh, you're eating that," and he goes, "Oh yeah," you know, like yeah. like you're eating meat, you know, like. Yeah. And again, that's a bit of a nod to that. Maybe they don't eat meat on this, you know, like it'd be like us kind of going, oh, you, you're eating a banana tree or, you know, you're eating bananas. That's a bit odd sort of thing, you know, but where you come from, bananas are like expensive and, oh, hang on, that's what that's what our society's like with bananas. But yeah, that's that's a, it's a funny little homage, I think, yeah. And there's, there's a bunch of other sort of humorous scenes, but those, those scenes there I found were... Um... Were, were quite expressive yeah. in in tone or in in science fiction, actual genuine science fiction yeah. nature. So I, I picked those out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I loved that we've sort of mentioned it, but the that Matrix scene with the Commodore sixty four, <laughs> <coughs> the old tapes, the plug on the head. You know, you really, you, you as an audience watching it, you were kind of thinking this isn't going to work. <laughs> like that, that was the impression. Like it was like it's not really going to work. Not like the Matrix, but there was such attention to detail in that scene. Like we said with the old tapes, and when he pulled, I'm pretty sure by memory the tape he pulled out because he said, "What do you want to learn first? Pretty much like uh, they say to Neo in the Matrix, and it's like he pulls out the sex tape. So the old man's been doing the, the sex tape thing and he puts in, you know, Kung Fu and it's just a, it's a good old fashioned tape. Like it's hilarious. And, um, you know, for people, you and my age, well, we know what those tapes were like. They're so shitty, aren't they? And uh, so he puts that in and it's the hairdresser thing over the head. But then he knows Kung Fu and he, he is. He like, twitches well, a bit. Yeah, he twitches a bit. <laughs> he's, but you sort of think, oh God, what's going to happen to him? And um, But he comes out and he's, you know, he's got slick back hair and, He's wearing the uh, singlet and the moustache seemed to be a bit more groomed. And, yeah, he was kung fu expert now. Yeah. So I really liked that that scene. Uh, a little tiny one before they go in the night of the desert and how they get those um, vehicles out of the, the town. Like yeah, and they're hovering across. I, th- I thought that was really well done, you know. That really was very science fiction, like serious science fiction, I thought. I thought this is this is nice. This is a nice touch. And I think that's probably... A major positive of the whole film, science fiction-wise, is, is all the settings. You know, like the, as you said at the start, the spaceship is very impressive, and the people on board are very impressive. Like the uniforms are impressive, all the gadgets are impressive. The, the you know, lighting, like, the dark, lighting, it dark, looks, like the bright sort of yeah, yeah. So there's quite a bit, and I'll come back to the couple of settings, but that's good. <clears throat> so let us know what you thought was the best scene, um, and also I love I love the connotation to. The fifth element and the stones, you know, yeah, we that mentioned was the direct that, like, fifth element. He's like, and I, but I just loved him turning around, going, "It's the fifth element," and no yeah. one else, none of the other humans were reacting to that. Yeah. Again, probably connotates the year a bit, doesn't it? You know, like two thousand and four for this movie. Um, I think the fifth element might be about two thousand or something around. It's around the Matrix era. It was pretty close <clears> to then. Yeah. So again, it was a really lovely kind of connection to it. Uh, oh, nineteen ninety-seven. Okay, so it's a little bit older. But yeah, probably makes sense that there is that. When connection. was it shown in Turkey? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turkish release may have been a bit slow. So that, that was, I didn't really have a bad scene. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. Nothing really, you know, it was kind of the comedy of the film. I, I don't know. I, I didn't really think anything was was like bad, you know? I don't know. Did you have anything no, that I, there, there, was just a, there were a couple on? of scenes there where I was <coughs> wondering where they're going to go. Is it like mm-hmm. where he gets, he gets given a rose from some dude. There's like going to be one of these prison male dominance. Yeah, that things. was a weird bit. And actually. I was kind of, yeah. where, where is this, what's this going? And, and he, he manages to sort of laugh it off and talk it off and, and move on. But that left me wondering what they're getting out. Are they, but they didn't, they didn't go down any dark paths or anything. So that was kind of, no. I think they had to have the, the scene there somewhere, but yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I didn't really have anything. So again, if you're out there in podcast land, let us know. Did you have a favorite scene from Gora or a scene that you thought they could have done a little bit better? So I know this is the bit that gets your lips wet. Sorry. The science. What type of science do you want to pick out from Gora? Because <laughs> I mean, sausage trees. Sausage trees. That's right. Is this real? Well, I, I can answer that question. Yes, sausage trees could be real, couldn't they? I mean, well, they grow in the same habitat as spaghetti trees. Yeah, that's right. That's as right. often, and that's why you often get spaghetti and sausage in the same yeah. dish. There you go. Now, I was, I was interested by the fact at the end, which seems to be his primary point, and I said it, it has a bit of connotation now how many years later, 12 years later, 13 years later, in that he says humans are human even if they're aliens. Mm. And because we've got a lot of talk at the moment of you know, asylum seekers yeah. or um, uh, Mexican immigrants uh, in America yeah, yeah. and they're being banded about as alien and he makes his yep. point. But in a science fiction world, there's a lot of aliens that do just look like humans, yeah. like maybe with different coloured hair or something. Yep. So the question has to be asked, if we went out into space and we came across a recognizably intelligent being, mm-hmm. what is the chance of it being recognizably humanoid yeah. in shape? And turns out it's probably not that unlikely. Oh, yes, you could, you could have many peculiar forms. But if we're going to talk about intelligent creatures that are intelligent in the same way that we're intelligent, mm. because people like to say the octopus is really intelligent, and I say I haven't seen it design a Ferrari mm. yeah. <laughs> or a rocket ship. Yeah. Or write poetry. Yeah. And or make a science fiction film. Or make a science fiction <laughs> film. And yeah, so they might be intelligent, but not in the same way that humans are intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they don't have uh, the the technological intelligence or, or that sort of thing. Same with dolphins. You know, yeah. they could be very intelligent. They yeah, they do a lot of good things, dolphins. And, but... and emotions, who knows what else. That's And that's all well and good, but they're not flying rocket ships. Yeah. We are. Yeah. So we're going to find other aliens flying rocket ships. Yeah. Then, because yeah, these are the ones that always end up looking like a human with a crab stuck to their head. Yeah. <laughs> in Star Trek's case. Yeah, yeah. Which is a great skit where the Klingons have crabs stuck to their head. But, <laughs> yeah, so, so a lot of people have thought about this. And it turns out that if we're going to, we go through a number of steps to determine how a life form would become intelligent and what it needs and all the rest of it. There's a good argument to say that the basic laws of physics impose a certain set of limitations on the possible uh, shapes that uh, an intelligent, a tool using intelligence can, can take. Mm. Uh, and then, for example, when we're talking about the size, we might think that, oh, well, you might end up with a, an alien the size of a mouse. Mm. Could that be intelligent, you know, flying little spaceships around and all the rest of it? And the answer is probably not mm. because you need, a, you need a brain big enough to be sophisticated enough and you do need a brain of some sort. You need some sort of 
uh, information processing center and you could have a distributed dinosaurs had distributed brains for example octopi octopuses have a less centralized central nervous system as it were but a greater efficiency is to have a denser brain yeah and if you're going to have a denser brain it pardon me it needs to be big enough to be sophisticated enough to be intelligent yeah and so that that's going to rule out a lot of very small creatures mm. and there's another reason for that of course is metabolism if you are very small there's a, a, a an in, inverse relationship between your body size and the speed of your metabolism and if you've got a great big juicy brain that's powering through quadratic equations or rocket science yep. and you're the size of a mouse mice already have to basically eat constantly yeah just to live yep and they're not composing shakespearean sonnets <laughs> so yeah. you need you need to have the right ratio between body size brain size and the nutrients you consume yeah. and you, in order to have enough free time and free energy to expend it doing non directly survival related activities mm. these sort of experimental processes that humans do where we try to figure out better ways of doing things whereas animals uh, often don't have that luxury of time yeah <clears throat> and so we talk about so size then and we're talking about gravity gravity of a planet and this comes to the sorts of physical limitations that are imposed on an organism in order to evolve and we're basically looking at planets similar in size to earth mm -hmm. so a gravity range of say you know say 0.6 to 1.5 because the heavier you are the, the higher the gravity the shorter the smaller you're going to have to be and this is because of just structural integrity and capillary action and so you you basically can't you know something like uh, jupiter crushing atmosphere mm. life can't possibly form there in any ways that we would recognize someone no doubt would, would be able to write in and say well, I could be a, a hyper-intelligent gasser. I'm going to tell you right now, no. <laughs> and if they are intelligent, they're not intelligent in any way that we would recognize or understand. It, they're about, you know, in the same way, we wouldn't know if a cloud passing by was super intelligent or not. Yeah. And it wouldn't know whether we were, so pointless discussion. So we're talking about roughly Earth-sized things with roughly Earth sort of uh, gravity, and you need liquid water you need that goldilocks zone around the planet to have the right sort of temperatures in order for organic chemistry to mix and to mingle and to, to create uh, complex yeah. structures <clears throat> uh, and it, actually there was an interesting experiment the lego people did they chucked a whole bunch of lego into a washing machine and ran it for a while for a few hours and when they pulled it out they found that some reasonable percentage of block blocks had spontaneously clicked together just through the tumbling yeah and they said this is similar to you put enough organic chemistry into a little pool and mix it up for a while sooner or later it's going to start sticking start together to, yeah. you spread that over a few billion years and yeah. you get life yeah but that means you need liquid water you need the right temperatures all sorts of things so lego can spawn life well yeah you've got to think it could <laughs> do if it had yeah. if it kept going around that washing machine for a few billion years so we're also going to have uh, endoskeletons yeah. so bones on the inside of your body not on the outside okay crabs ants and so forth they have bones on the outside of their body the problem with that of course is you've got a size limitation again yeah is that once you get to a certain size uh, you're just too heavy and you can't have a strong enough or, or thick enough carapace yeah. to move around the other problem is you've got to, to grow you have to molt yeah so you've got to shed your old shell and you've got to grow a new one but in the meantime you're just a little sack of protein 
waiting to be eaten. Yeah. Which means once you get above a certain size, could you imagine something the size of a cow? Yeah. Just soft and lying on the ground, unable to move. How long would that last in nature? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't. It would be eaten almost instantly. So there is kind of there's there's these limitations that that mean we're going to have bones on the inside, muscles on the outside. Yeah. You're going to have to have a skin to protect you. Yeah. We're talking about you're going to have to have limbs to manipulate. You're going to have hands of some sort yeah. or something that works as hands. Yeah. People, some people have said tentacles. Yep. But at present, we haven't observed any tentacles that are sufficiently dexterous. Mm. And you need to be upright moving because you need your hands to be used only as hands. Mm. Chimpanzees, for example, gorillas have hands, mm. but they walk on their knuckles and things. So they've got much more rugged. And yeah, they can't you know, work on a little touch phone or something. You know, they, they're clumsy and, and yeah. because their hands aren't made for that. They've no. been walking on them. That's right. Uh, so you need, you need that. Then we're talking body shape. How many legs do you need? You need at least two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're upright. You, you, you might argue that some of them are like a snake-like body. Yeah. But then again, there's, there's a lot of cost involved in keeping your forelimbs up off the ground so you can use them for making tools. Yeah. Uh, snakes don't tend to stand up on end and go about the place much. <laughs> no. It's very difficult. So you're not going to have, you might be a centaur then. Yeah. Okay, so like four, but you're lacking adaptability. If you've ever thought of how <coughs> you can a horse or a dog through spaces, you can't. Mm. <laughs> like their their bodies are awkward to, to deal with. A, a human or a humanoid sort of upright form has your eyes up high so you can see predators and you can hear things well. You've got your hands free. Mm-hmm. So you You're just... very lithe and limber. You can crouch down into a very small compact space or expand out to be a large one. If you're like yeah. half horse, you can't do that oh, sort yeah, of thing. You're stuck, aren't you? You've also then got a whole, a whole bunch of extra muscle mass doing what? Yeah. Why do you have four legs? To run fast, mm. well, humans we don't need to run fast. No, because we're smart. Yeah, that's it's right. the way it works, you know. So if you can run fast to evade predators, maybe you don't need to become intelligent. No, uh, and, so, and so forth. So what we're going to end up with then? Uh, also, you need to probably omnivorous, uh, which means you're going to need some way of eating your food, and it's going to have to be uh, a way that can be relatively sterile. Mm-hmm. Not really sterile, but relatively able to control for disease yeah that's right so just flopping down and absorbing things through your skin is not going to work very well but munching through a mouth will do mm-hmm. and eating meat or something similar to that maybe sausage trees mm-hmm. which because that they've got a very dense form of nutrition like meat yeah yeah some like I was, when i was doing nutrition for my personal training it's like lamb eating a sheep will give you like 99 percent of everything you need yeah You'll need some vitamin C. That's the only thing you really need. Mm. So lamb with an orange sauce and you're set. <laughs> yep. You know, or a lamb kebab with, with capsicum. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got yourself everything you know, you, you won't thrive. No. But you've got all the nutrients you'll you survive. need. survive. And you can carry that in one hand. Yep. Whereas if you look at gorillas, for example, great big things, uh, mobile and all the rest of it, but they just basically have to spend their whole time eating. Yeah. Because leaves and things are very low in nutrition, which means mm. they're going to eat a lot. Yeah. So they spend so much of their time just eating and not moving much. Mm. And also because they don't have to hunt trees, mm. they don't have to gain that intelligence. No. Because right, it's all smart, around. Yeah. But that's more of a social yeah. intelligence to have rather than you know, figuring out how to make a, a car. Yeah. Or, or write a textbook or something. And then we're talking about the, the children that we have are going to be not too dissimilar. 
Yep. And human babies, for example, are almost are just so helpless. Yep. You look at a, a horse will give birth and then within half an hour or something, the baby's up and running around. Yep. And same with, same with a dog. You know, within, within three months, a dog has attained most <clears throat> of its body size it's yep. going to have. By the end of 12 months, it's fully grown. Yep. Yeah, it's still a puppy, but it's, it's full size. 12, like 12 months of a baby is a baby. Still a baby. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, my kids didn't start walking till 13, 14 months. Yeah. So I, still just a baby lying on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And I did think this. I was like, geez, human bait. When, I, when R3 came along, I was like, geez, they're freaking helpless. Like they're real, they would die in the wild really quickly if but it wasn't for us. But the, the thought is that there's two parts to that. One is so much effort is put into creating a brain that doesn't know anything but can learn a great deal. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and so many animals, they just know already how to do everything. Mm. You could, if you took a puppy once it's weaned off mm-hmm. mother's milk, yeah. you could probably just set it free, set it wild. Yeah. And it would Survive. forage and find food and yeah. it would know how to swim and it would, you know, all this sort of thing. Because that's all it needs to know. Is Birds right? learn to just start flying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they don't need to. They learn by they, falling. They learn as such, but they already do it. You know, it's a, yeah, it's humans have to go to school to fly. Yeah, and but we were able to create schools to learn to fly. Yes, uh, and the cost of that means that we've got to have this very complex brain which has got nothing in it, mm. and we've got to then have some way of sticking stuff into it and staying alive long enough so we have this parental figures have to look after us. All of our energy has gone to our brain, not into our physical development. Yeah. It's interesting, but isn't it? Like we, as humans, we basically are a bit of a blank slate and we start again. But Absolutely. we also have, we do have a bit of inherent knowledge from our predecessors because that, that yeah, is a school of thought that I've heard there, a bit there about is, that. There is some interesting... Like the next generation tend to already understand, like for example, technology, like our kids will be probably far uh, far ahead of understanding technology than you and I will. Yeah. Just naturally, like we have well, to learn it more as you get older. That's moving into the area of epigenetics, which is very interesting, where yeah. they, they study how... So the, the DNA doesn't change, but the way it expresses changes. That's right, yeah. And they found, for example, children of older fathers live longer. Yeah, right. Well, they have a longer lifespan. Mm, interesting. Uh, they have a couple of disadvantages of some I can't remember what it is yeah. because I'm just going to ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> Being that I'm an older father, but uh, and my father was was older when he had me. So, yeah. uh, and they're also the children of people who are athletically active, uh, and and they've got they've got studies where they they have uh, say an athletic parents have the first child. But then, of course, lifestyle changes, and the second child comes along, and they're not athletic, and they check out the the, the, the DNA being expressed, and there, there's distinct differences there mm, between these children from from the same parents, like because mm. there's different things being passed on when you're athletic and fit and running around. The children you have are then generally more likely to be fit and athletic, mm. whereas if you're sedentary and studious. Your children are more likely. So, as you say, yeah, yeah. there's a learnt behaviour, but still a blank brain, basically. Yeah, more. yeah. So it's it's very <clears> fascinating. So what this means, though, is that when we go out into space, and if we came across aliens, and they were roughly, you know, 150 to 200 centimetres tall, you know, 1.5 to 2 metres sort of tall, they had say two arms, symmetrical as well. Yeah. Uh, we've never, I 
I'm going to say never, but we're almost certainly not encountered any asymmetric life here right. on Earth. It's the way chemistry operates. Mm. So crystals are the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They they grow according to their structure, and it appears that life does too. Mm. Even trees, largely symmetrically, come down the middle, and and so on. So we're going to see these people. They're about that sort of size. They're going to be similar sort of weight if they're coming from a planet that's within our range of gravities. Yeah. And they're probably going to have two arms. Yeah. They could have four, but you've got to ask the question: What's the purpose? Like evolutionary, what what were the other two? You you could come up with something, yeah, but yeah. it seemed likely. But that, but that, legs. but I even think, um, like I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Like I think size wise, but things like arms and legs, not so much looking like a centaur. But maybe having three legs could be a good thing. Maybe having four arms could be a really yeah, could good you thing. Make, could you, you know, imagine three a eyes tail. might be a really yeah a, a tail. tail might become like a third leg. That's right. Yeah, in, yeah. In and many ways, if I'm not sure, I mean, kangaroos use a tail, for example, almost yeah. like a third leg and, when and I, they're walking. Well, because I'm just even thinking if because we are a bit of a product of we evolve. My knowledge of evolution, we do evolve a bit from the product of our environment. So mm. if you're talking about an alien planet with sausage trees. You don't really know there could be there could have been a creature that competed with that creature, and so therefore, over time we had to evolve a third leg or or a tail or something that was used to defeat that creature. You know what I mean? Like so, the environment could dictate something a little bit yeah, different, you could like imagine that, or like eyes in the back of your head or something. If you're still you know talking I mean? sausage like, trees yeah. or the equipment, yeah, some sort of highly nutritious food source, which yes. is you know highly sought after, yes. Then yeah, you might well find that we had to the have creature longer legs needed or... to have legs that could sort of extend up yeah, high. That's right. But then they needed a tail yeah, to, balance to balance, and that, and that pushed down the ground. Yeah. And over time, but we could have they could have multiple joints as well. Or something. Oh yeah, multiple, you know what I mean? Joint, like, the number, number of joints. <coughs> but I think you're totally right that we're it's, probably looking at a creature it, that's similar to us. Yeah. Recognize it. it's going to have, it's going to have different colorations. Yeah. It's not going to have wildly different colorations either, though, because they're going to be exposed to similar radiations. They'll, they'll see, yeah. they'll probably see in a slightly different spectrum. But even then, it's got to be somewhat similar because mm-hmm. once you go up too high above ultraviolet, the photons themselves aren't the sort of things that interact well with organic yeah, cells. Yeah, yeah. They're certainly not the sort of things, that, even ultraviolet, it's not the sort of things that you want to have interact no, no. with something delicate like an eye. Yeah. Because you'll... They're too energetic. They'll yeah. burn stuff out. Yeah. And maybe they've got some other way of sensing that, like little rough bone patches which mm. detect that, but not eyes as such. And likewise, you go to too far below infrared mm. and it's not energetic enough to be seen. So their, their vision is going to be in that range. That It'll be split. They'll see different colours based on the sun. They could come from a very, very similar sun to ours and have the same vision spectrum. Mm but quite likely it'll be shifted up or down within yeah, yeah. there. But they're not going to be seeing x-rays. No. They, they might, no, they're not because like, x-rays tend to get hit by bones and maybe they can have a bone sensor. But why would they have that? That's you right. Know? But I suppose that's why in, in our culture there's such a story of being abducted by aliens that we have these little white men, really big brains, it's, you know, big eyes. They're, they're not that unlike us in a way are they mm. that vision it's you know it might be a little bit short or they're very white or they're very long but really they kind of are a human they're a version of a human yeah, you, most you, of the time it's two arms two legs just a big head 
Yeah. <laughs> well, some people sort of put forward the idea, of course, that in order for them to cross long distances of space, they're going to have to evolve in a space. Like if we yeah. want to become a truly spacefaring race, short of us discovering like hyperspace jumps yeah. and artificial gravity and perfect gravity uh, radiation shielding, mm. which we could do with black hole generators. That's right. Yep, going back. Yep. That would yeah, like a, a black hole would shield Invest you from in that company now from all of that. Yeah, but yeah. short short of that, we're going to have to evolve into space. Yeah, because in microgravities. The free fall situations, our bodies just don't work right. Yeah. You know, our veins were designed to have gravitational resistance yeah. to pump blood against. Our eyes, the shape of our eye is in part determined as a resistance against gravity. So when you're in space, a lot of astronauts, they go short-sighted mm. because their eyes are used to being sort of pulled down and squished, mm. suddenly not squished anymore. Mm. The the focus changes. Yeah, yeah. And likewise, uh, your, your brain, your fluids. Yeah. The whole your whole body is kind of designed to deal with gravity. In space, you've got radiation and no gravity. You need a different creature. You do, yeah. Which yeah. hey, you you could well come across. But yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised if the aliens, if if we came across aliens, to find that they were recognizably familiar yeah. in their, you know, they're not going to be weird gaseous creatures with tentacles. Yeah. Like that, we probably wouldn't recognize them as yeah. intelligent for starters. And they probably wouldn't recognize us as intelligent. But if we're talking about tool-using, language-having, evolved creatures, mm. probably not too similar. So the whole human is human, even if you're alien. I think we can go with that. Yeah, so the Gora idea. Gora has the right idea. So it's kind of <laughs> convoluted. And there's a, there's a lot of variation. There's, there's a huge number of stars and planets and mm. environments. But It could be a strong connection. There's... Yeah, hey, if, if humans have evolved in one place, yeah, something like humans have oh, evolved in another place for sure. I, I, I firmly believe it. I just whether we've whether people have experienced it or not, as they claim, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, like but... the, ch the chances <clears throat> of that are so slim, mainly because of time differentials. If you're talking about we evolved over the course, humans evolved over the course of a hundred thousand years, say modernish humans, and then only in the past two thousand years we've started to actually properly develop. Mm. It's only in the past two, three hundred years that we've really had technological advances. Mm. So out of a 15 billion year old galaxy, you're talking yeah, about a 200-year gap. It's a blip, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's so minute. <clears throat> there could have been aliens visited this this part of the galaxy 50 million years ago and yeah. went, ah, oh, that's just a, some dinosaurs or whatevs. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave that alone. Yeah. Not interested. Uh, or even still, they could have been broadcasting their, doing their SETI themselves. Yeah. Going, there's no intelligent life out there. Where is it? Yeah. Well, you've got to wait a few hundred thousand years yeah, and you'll yeah. be there. Yeah. Oh, but you'll be gone. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is. So, well, yeah, we're going to be displaced not only by space, but in time. Yeah. Still, I hold out hope. Yeah, we hold out hope. If there's any aliens listening That's to this right. broadcast, feel free to contact us and let us know. My context to that, but is if you take the movie like Alien, and I mean that impression as we when we talked about it, I mean, how does that alien get around and and pop its eggs out everywhere and it takes over spaceships, doesn't it? You mm -hmm. know, like so it's it's a it's not a bacteria, but it's. Um, you know, it's like rats in a way or something like on board a ship then kills everyone on board that ship and then maybe that ship crashes or returns to another ship or another planet and then all of a sudden that alien is now on that planet. But that 
alien <coughs> is not sophisticated enough to create ships, is it? No. So going back not, to like what you said about an it's octopus not opening creature. opening up the textbooks on no, board the ship and, and reading just, through the instruction manual. How it's got the ability to the... breed and lay lots of eggs and those eggs are, are vicious and the creature is vicious mm. enough that it just kind of survives, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, and it moves colonies it, it and planets. It hasn't had to be intelligent. No, it hasn't because its evolution dictates that it still survives that way, yeah. So... I guess that could be the the cliche to that the whole scenario is that humans may go somewhere one day and there's a creature that kind of hijacks its way back. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Okay, so there we go. That's that's um that's the chances of, of alien life looking like humans. Yes. I think it's it's not too far off. Yeah. I don't think I I would be surprised to find them looking that human. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you're going to have to expect weird flaps and mm. other uh, you know, bits yeah. and pieces here and there, and spines and spikes and yeah. fur in places we don't have fur. And well, just because uh, even just culturally, you know, diff- like different like, yeah. shaped mouths That's and jaws right. and yeah. who knows what else. So look, I, I don't think there's a lot to talk about with technicalities of this film, being that it is a bit of a slapstick comedy. But and I've mentioned a couple of these things. I thought. Props, costume sets were outstanding. Like I really thought they were really great. From the minute the film starts, that spaceship is really great. The men and women are wearing really high-tech, cool costumes. You know, they were really nice, I thought. And I I've also thought that that setting of where the humans were, it was, it was a really grand prison, like a real science, sci-fi prison. Yeah, that one, you know? remarkably nice considering how poorly they were being treated yes (laughs) and it was really big you know it was a really like it felt like a really large scale and you know they did some really cool camera work of cranes over the top and you know he sort of went from one end of it to the other ref when he walked through they they dollied through with him i mean overall the film is shot really well like it's it's a well composed film there's just probably nothing that arty farty cinematography stands out as just like a really good sort of textbook film with the with the camera angles but i think yeah the the positive the major positive or the major real sci-fi awesome thing was all of that um yeah the the props and the the settings and all that are really great fourth wall is broken quite often you see the fourth wall broken it can be in comedies um, but quite often it is more like in a film that's super serious, you know, taking itself super seriously, or they want to mention, I'm pretty sure in the James Franco biography of The Room, you know, I think he breaks the fourth wall on that. So sometimes like an autobiography breaks it, you know, to sort of say, well, this is the difference mm. between the real world and the movie world. Um but yeah, this movie well, did it a couple of times. We had it. Limitless does it Limitless as well. Limitless as well, yeah. The narrator saying... Yeah. I guess you wonder how I got here type yeah, of thing. Yeah. yeah, so that does it. Movies are done. It's pretty rare because it is. it jumps the audience out of its seat, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you're suddenly taken into the process of the film. Um, so, yeah, they did do it and they used it to comedy effect. There's a moment that a riff and the robot, they both like look at the camera. Yeah. And, they, you know, I think it's when they're saying the plot point of them escaping or whatever and they, like, both kind of look at us kind of doing it. They do it at the very start. Let's not speak, you know, English. Let's speak Turkish. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Arif, as you said, also, like, kind of winks to the camera. Uh, and even really even at the end when she's sort of saying, will I fit in? He's like, yeah, you will. <laughs> you know, like, who knows, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot um, else to say. And, and then what we said about the homages. So, yeah, The Matrix, Star Wars, Mission Impossible, 
the fifth element. Um, yeah, I think I think they were all the main ones that I picked up on, um, joke wise and and cinematography wise. I mean those those spaceships. I said that they hopped on. They were very Star Wars as well, mm. weren't they? Garrel was definitely the the forces with you. You know the homage to to Star Wars that way. So, but it was all done in a very it was respectful and funny, you know, yeah. like it was, it wasn't taking the piss of that. It was the same with the matrix. Like when they did that scene of him, you know, of him, like the 360 bullet effect kind of idea, like he was, they were doing it really shittily. And he was saying, no, spin the camera around, spin the camera. It wasn't like they were taking the piss out of the matrix. They were taking the piss out of themselves. Yeah, like, no, I was they were... <laughs> discovered that he, he had these uh, Kung Fu powers mm. and was, yeah, decided that he had to do it like the Matrix. Yeah. And yeah. well, why wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> so yeah, but that's pretty much it for the technicalities. This one, this this one, I reckon. Yeah, I, I yeah. think so. It was it was well uh, delivered. Yep. And I think they they avoided um, overcomplicating yeah. the film in order to deliver the the dialogue where most of the, much of the humor was. Yeah. As well as some visual things of as um, some lightsaber usage. Yes, it was, at the yeah. start where he's swinging around and some just yeah. Logar takes it off and says, what are you going to do with a torch? Yeah. <laughs> and does it aside. Yeah. That's quite funny. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like um, the plot as well, which we won't go back over or anything, but, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward plot, but there's good plot points there moving it along. It's very Hollywood, really, plot-wise. You know, so even though it's a Turkish movie, it does you know, tick a lot of those boxes. It does. Know? It, it yeah. gets through some of the confrontation a little bit Yeah. Quicker. strangely. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure whether that's a, a Turkish take on it or if that's just a, a comedic take on it. Yeah, like, yeah. Not sure. I'd have to watch more Turkish comedy. Or yes, yeah. And, yeah, we've probably talked about the social commentary really, like you said, like the humans are, you know, the, the message is a hopeful message. It's that humans are human even if they are alien, you know. That, but that's a serious message that, as you say, like can be the same with refugees and culture and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Tourists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, it was quite good. It was nice. It was charming. Yep. Uh, it was witty. It was a bit slapsticky here and there. Uh, had some, yeah, just a good, great references back to uh, movies that I, I've loved. Yep. And it was very good. Yes. So, what is next week's episode or next fortnight's episode? Well, it's my choice Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Which I know nothing about now. And I can't even remember the little thing I picked off Netflix's range about it so Is we'll go in cold kevin bacon i honestly don't know i honestly I don't really know don't i don't know i'm not sure if i've seen this one or not mm. well anyway that will be the one that we will have a look at for next time again going cold i will and uh yeah have a look at it look forward to talking about that one so anyone that's out there listening to the podcast check in with us on yeah instagram twitter facebook message us listen to the podcast through spotify iTunes, your website, gravityundone.net. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Telepathy. Yes, you can Check do it that way. Shop.gravityundone.net to see some cool merch. Coffee right. mug, T-shirt. There's a backpack. Ooh. It's a groovy backpack. It's got a, a Star Wars style, uh, you know, yellow text. Yeah, right. The intro thing, but it's the intro to the space brains, you know, two nice. brains come from a distant galaxy pulsing with strange energy type of thing. Ah, excellent. So, Let's go check that out. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. See ya. Ciao.